You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 241. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by LFS.com. LFS is the online investment platform for women, built by women, where you can invest in specific life goals, such as buying a house, starting a business, or retiring comfortably. LFS gives you a free financial plan, customized for you based on where you are now and where you want to go with your finances. LFS shows you how to invest in the goals that you care about. Like I said, so if you're trying to start a business, buy a home, or retire, this is going to help you reach those goals. All you need to do is get started. For Lively Show listeners, by the way, because you are listening to the show, you can receive $100 towards your first funded goal when you sign up with Elevest. Go over to elevest.com slash lively. That's E-L-L-E-V-E-S-T dot com slash lively. So first of all, where am I? I am on an Abraham Hicks cruise. This is so exciting. I signed up for this earlier this winter of like January, February, I think. And I remember very vividly standing in Austin, pretty much jumping up and down saying, I'm so excited to be able to spend so much time learning from Abraham live. So this is actually the second day of the cruise so far. And this was a day for exploring. So we went to Montpierre and had a crepe and wandered around and took photos. And now we're on to another destination. And over the course of the 10 days, I'll be spending four workshop sessions with Abraham. Abraham. And in honor of this, I thought, what better way to honor an Abraham Hicks cruise than to talk with someone else who's, like me, studied Abraham and the law of attraction to a very intense level. So this is why Aaron Doty is on the show today. Aaron has a YouTube channel that I somehow found probably from listening to so many hours of Abraham. And as I started getting into his content, I could tell right away that he, like I, had studied this work quite a bit. And his content is really excellent. So some of you guys have said you love listening to me talk about the law of attraction and all of this work from my own perspective. Well, I decided a conversation with Aaron would be really fun as well. So we're going to talk about Aaron's channel, how he got to where he is, and how he's used the law of attraction in the different seasons or chapters chapters of this evolution for him and so much more. Plus, I'm going to share what I hope I get to share in the hot seat and ask Abraham directly as well. Let's go to the show. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me on. I am so appreciative to do a rampage of appreciation, if you will, to have found your YouTube channel and then to resonate after watching it and seeing that you really get this material around the law of attraction and consciousness at a level and a frequency that I can really get down with. And I knew I wanted to have you on because I thought our conversation together as people who have been pretty deep in the weeds of this material for a long time would be a really interesting dialogue for ourselves, but also for those listening. So thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome. I totally agree with all that. Okay, so let's get started first by telling people how you got to where you are. Uh, Yeah, so there was a seed planted when I was like 15 years old because my mom mentioned the movie The Secret and she was very adamant. She like was making me kind of watch it in a way, even though like sometimes my mom would make me do or look at some things that were kind of like, uh, you know, outside of anything I was interested in. But I sat down and I watched it and there was just something about it. 
it just kind of planted a seed. And after that, I was just much more aware. And I just felt like there was something there as far as the information goes. And from that point going forward, I always kind of knew that there was some correlation between our thoughts and our uh, emotions and our actions. And I, I just started to look at it in a completely different way. And then it, it made me also look at my past in a new way because I realized that I could choose my own thoughts and I could choose how I respond to certain situations. Because when I grew up, I grew up, you know, my parents were divorced at a young age and, you know, like many people. But eventually, when I was like seven or eight years old, my dad met my ex stepmom. And uh, she was in my life from when I was about eight years old till about 15. And she had a very different philosophy on life. And she was a very angry person. She was somebody that had a lot of resentment inside of her. And uh, she just, you know, she treated my, me and my brother not in a, in a very positive sense. And we were very controlled in that age range. So I wasn't allowed to watch TV. Me and my brother, a lot of times, would be, like, locked out of the house. We would have to, like, just do chores every day. We weren't really allowed to, you know, watch TV or have friends. So we went from having all those luxury, you know, having the ability of doing all what normal kids do. And then all of a sudden that got taken away from us. And up until the age of 15, when my dad divorced her, you know, all of a sudden, you know, that was kind of like a negative. She was a very, you know, kind of an abusive type person. So after that, we came out of it when I was like 15 years old. And then all of a sudden we had all this freedom. We had all these things we were allowed to do. We were allowed to have friends again. So I had to, you know, we were allowed to actually go out with friends and stuff. So that was like a whole new world. And it was very exciting. And then I, I'd say that, you know, from 15 to about 21, I went on the opposite side of it to where it was like I had all this freedom and I was kind of rebelling because I was kind of angry for all the pain that me and my brother went through those periods of, of our lives. And then, uh, of course, when I was 15 or 16, after my dad divorced her, then I had contact with my mom again because that was kind of taken out for that period of my time when I was uh, when we were with our ex stepmom. And then my mom showed me the secret. And that was when the seed was planted. But from there going forward, I was able to really let go of a lot of resentment that I had. And a lot of beliefs I had, I was able to really see things from a new point of view. And it really allowed me to redefine the whole past because instead of that being something that had so much burden over me and kind of was like so much a part of my story, I was able to shift it to then understanding that I could choose it from a new perspective. And from that point going forward, I just simply decided that that was a good thing because it allowed me to like have new perspectives. And it really allowed later on in life, and then we're talking maybe um, seven years ago when I learned meditation and meditation came about because I had uh, what is called, you know, ADHD. I went to a doctor. They gave me Adderall. There was harsh side effects of Adderall. Like you don't eat very much. You don't sleep very much. So what happened was is I just took that for a couple of years. And then I decided that I wanted to find something that didn't have such harsh side effects. So I came across meditation online. I did some research and saw the benefits of it. And I was kind of reluctant for it at first. But I was like, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. And I started doing it. And within two or three days, I started to feel so different about myself. Uh, within like two or three days, got rid of Adderall, never took it again. I really became aware as well. I learned how to observe my thoughts. And when I observed my thoughts, I got out of the old identity or the old story that was holding me back. And from that point going forward, I became very hyper aware of how my beliefs were creating my reality, how believing that I had ADHD or believing in that caused a perpetuation of me building up resistance around it and kind of it becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. So from that point going forward, I dived head into all of the information with the law of attraction, understanding different teachers and thousands of hours of seminars, hundreds or maybe even thousands of books. And it became something I was just 
pretty much obsessed about learning as much as I possibly could about how our beliefs create our reality and how if we change our beliefs, that then everything begins to change as a mere reflection. So I'd say that that was the major trigger for me. And that's kind of where I'm at today, where I've just put in so much work of seeing applying it in my own life and seeing how uh, that changes, you know, a, a new reflection in my life. But at the same time, the lectures, the seminars, the information and everything that I've learned from there as well. I love that. And one thing I want to ask you, because I get a lot of people that ask me when I talk about law of attraction, is they say, what about things that, you know, especially young people didn't necessarily consciously, obviously select, like, for example, your ex stepmom, how do you look at your situation from that eight to 15 year old perspective? Now knowing law of attraction, do you think you attracted it? Or how do you view it? I think there's different levels to it. I look at it from the point of a conscious point of view. And there's so much we can do consciously. But at a deeper level, I believed that it was something that I intended to go through. You could say from a soul level, from a consciousness level, but I believe it was something that I had to go through to really learn more about myself and to also at the same time, it could have been a lesson for her to go through. It's something that I believe at a certain level we do agree to because it, there's some level of expansion through it, even horrible situations. You know, I look at all the, the things that me and my brother went through, and even though a lot of them are very negative situations, I look at it and know that there was good that came out of it because and you'll, you'll notice, too, that a lot of successful people or a lot of people that have attained a lot of, you know, some type of achievement have been through a lot of pain and they've learned how to transmute it. It, it causes people to go deeper within themselves. So I kind of look at it as something as at a deeper level, there was some level of intention for it, even though at a conscious level, I could never even conceive of it. So I just kind of, I guess, trust that everything happens for a reason and that going forward, once you become consciously aware of it, things become much more interesting. What about the ADHD? Do you feel the same for that too? Yeah, I, I believe that a lot of people, you know, I'm not a doctor or anything, but I believe that a lot of people that tag onto a label as to who they are, their identity, the moment that they decide that they have ADHD and they put all these connotations of this is negative, this is what this means, this means you need this pill, and especially if you're bought into the belief system of believing that you need pharmaceutical pills, that that becomes something that's very self-perpetual and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it was like, uh, you know, what I did is I, I reframed it, you know, I said, instead of having ADHD, I have a whole bunch of energy that I must balance. And the way I balanced it was 10 minutes, right when I wake up every morning, 10 to 20 minutes, I would meditate. And right before I go to bed every night, 10 to 20 minutes, I meditate. And I've been doing that for about six, seven years now. And that's been probably the biggest change in my whole life has been just doing 10 minutes in the morning, right when I wake up and 10 minutes right before I go to bed, that has balanced my own energy out and allowed me to reframe the idea of ADHD. And it's interesting that you had the secret as your introduction, as many of us did, to the law of attraction. And I always like to tell people when they come to this, they often associate it with law of attraction. And like myself when I watched it, though I resonated with the concept, I didn't resonate with the actual video itself. I kind of felt it was a little bit shallow in terms of explaining it. And the focus was mostly on shiny pennies, as I call them. Not that there's anything wrong with those pennies by any means, but it just seemed very, very much about like, if you want to get the car, go do this rather than the state of being that would attract the car itself. So what are your thoughts on the secret? Because I know you do reference it a lot with your videos. The main reason I reference it is because a lot of people that are into it have seen it before. So it gives a reference experience, but I always put my own twist on it because I believe that it goes a little bit deeper than kind of the way that the secret, you know, kind of gave the information. And I understand that the secret had to give the information in a certain way in order to appeal to a certain type of audience. And it did plant the seed and there was some benefits to it. 
when it comes to, I guess you could say the materialism or I like to go a little bit deeper and I like to understand that everything is a reflection of who we are being. And beyond just the thinking, I believe that it's, I mean, it's a belief that I believe that it's more about the beliefs that we have about who we are. So I I would say that, I guess, you know, thoughts create our reality, but I think our beliefs create our reality because we can want a Lamborghini. We can look at the Lamborghini somebody has, and we could say to ourselves a million times, I have a Lamborghini, but unless we actually believe it to be true, and unless we're actually willing to align our emotions, our expectation, our actions towards having a Lamborghini, it's never going to happen. So that's... That's why I think with my channel, the main thing, you know, it does, it's not as attractive to hear that your beliefs create your reality as easy it is to say, you know, if you think about this, you'll get this. So a lot of the work that I do goes a little bit deeper and it's how do we get to the base of what we believe is true and how do we change that from the inside out so that then we get a new reflection in our life? Because I believe that everything in our life is a reflection of what we believe to be true. So in a way it's like a mirror and we can't go over to the mirror and try to change the mirror. Just like we can't try to attract something that's outside of ourselves. We must first body the emotions and we must first body this embody the state of being that is necessary and the beliefs in order to then see the reflection in our own life. 100% and that's what I teach here on the show. I use the word, this isn't Abraham or anything, but I always say the word to help people understand what you're explaining there. The word that I use is thirsty. How thirsty do they feel for the thing? Because if you feel thirsty, then you're not satiated, right? That's the embodiment. So for everyone that's listening, they're pretty familiar with that concept. So that's kind of what you're speaking about. And I remember Abraham always says, a belief is a thought you just keep thinking. That's what a belief is, a thought you keep thinking. So how do you help people change the thoughts they keep thinking? A lot of the work that I do has to do with understanding our self-image because thoughts that we keep thinking, if it's a part of our self-image, we're going to glue ourselves to it even subconsciously. So the key then is letting go of a lot of the labels, the identities of who we think that we are that aren't serving us. And a lot of the beliefs we have also are attained when we're very young. You know, a lot of us are on autopilot from past conditioning, past thoughts. You know, they say in neuroscience that over 90% of what we think every day is repetitive from the day before. And we think on average 60 to 70,000 thoughts or more a day. So knowing that it then gets to the point to where can we get to the core of what we believe to be true about ourselves by finding the memories that we have that made us, where, where did the memories and the beliefs start? Because a lot of times the beliefs started at young ages. And even if it's a young age between the ages of like being born, you know, being like five to eight years old, or a young age, even like the first time you went out when you were 18 years old and you went to live by yourself or something like that. Beliefs start from memories. And when we ask ourselves the question, what would I have to believe is true? In order to have this kind of experience, we then start to put the energy within and we start to look for those answers. Our brain will start to look for the patterns of what those could be. And the the great thing is it's actually very simple to let go of beliefs that don't serve us. It just has to do with identifying where the belief started. And once we find it, we can simply decide to let it go because what was unconscious is now conscious. And now we can simply decide that we no longer choose to relate to it. And the moment that we become aware of it is the moment that we can change it because then we have the choice. We don't have the choice when it's on autopilot. So the beliefs are easier to let go of when we let go of the self-image that tailors us to that belief. So say we have a belief or, you know, kind of like a self-image that says I'm overweight, I'm lazy, I'm big boned. If we hold on to that label, 
that label will also have to it a whole bunch of beliefs that are spattered onto it, that are connected to it. So the moment that we start to view ourselves in a new way is the moment that then things begin to change because we aren't so identified with it. Yes. And actually, that understanding has led me down the path of understanding the subconscious. Have you studied that a lot? And have you heard of RTT before? It rings a bell, but what is it? It's Rapid Transformational Therapy. Okay, so Marissa Peer, the founder of it, is a friend, and she's been on the show twice. And that has been, besides theta healing, which is another subconscious belief removal system, have been the two things I have found so powerful in terms of doing that. Have you done anything around your subconscious as well? Or do you just consciously think? The thing that I do to influence my subconscious mind has to do with understanding the different brainwave activities. So what I do and one of the videos I have on YouTube is about this, is, is understanding how to reprogram our subconscious mind as the last 20 minutes before we go to bed at night and the first 20 minutes in the morning, what happens is our brain is moving from in being awake as we're going to bed at night, we're moving from an alpha beta state, which is the conscious brainwave activities into more of a theta delta state. And as we are going to bed at night, we are drifting from those conscious states of being into the more unconscious or the subconscious states of being, which is where this then we have the influence over the subconscious mind. And the idea is to feel the emotions of what we want to feel, to have the self-image of who we prefer to be as we are going to bed at night. And in that window is when we have influence over our subconscious mind. Now, the idea also is that when we're growing up, and the reason a lot of our beliefs are, are uh, formed when we were younger is because up until the age of about 8 to 12, I don't know the exact age, we are primarily in a theta state, which means we are constantly absorbing the beliefs of our parents, our environment, what is happening to us, and we're in a constant state of absorption. And then as we get older, we move primarily into the awake states when we're in more of an alpha beta state as we get into our teenagers. So we move away from that. So the idea is to hack it. What we can do is as we go to bed at night or we can listen to binaural beats, which is something some people do as well, which is uh, I found to be powerful also, but is to feel those emotions and have the self image of who we prefer to be or like the best version of ourselves as we fall asleep at night. And what happens is, is in that window, that's when we have the most influence over our subconscious mind and our subconscious mind speaks in the form of in the language of feeling, not necessarily intellectual ideas. So instead of just thinking to ourselves, you know, I am healthy or I am this or I am that instead of just thinking it, we have to get ourselves to a place of feeling because feeling bypasses the conscious mind and gets straight to the subconscious. 100%. I love this. This is a great setup. Actually, we're going a lot into the subconscious. So what you're saying is stuff that I've hinted at, but I haven't explained in its full glory. So I love that you're going into it. That's so awesome. I always like to say this is a really great analogy to what you just said for people to think about their children. If there are people listening, I know a lot of people have young children, right? I mean, obviously, I want to help everyone listening to change their own lives. But the people that are listening are often not in that programmable state, but they may have children that are. So what way to think about what you just said in a simple analogy is to think of ourselves as iPhones or iPods. iPods are a little even simpler as a concept here. Think of ourselves as when we're born, we have all the program, but we have nothing written on it yet. So we have the hardware, but nothing's there. So 
in order to actually become a functioning human in society, we have no programming. So we're in that theta state, which you mentioned. It's kind of like we're in a constant state of hypnosis. This is why RTT is what I love because it gets you in that hypnotic low brainwave state as an adult. But they're basically constantly, think of it as an iPod, downloading how to be in the world for that zero to seven. And then like you said, their consciousness starts to speed up, the brainwaves start to speed up, and then they start moving into beta. And then we like you said, rarely go dip back down unless we're meditating, visualizing, or going to bed or getting up. That's when the other times that as adults, we actually dip back down into those lower states. So once we get it downloaded, that program starts playing out from zero to seven onward, which is why everyone's going to talk therapy for years and years talking about their mother and what they did when they were five, and they're not moving on. So that's just a way of explaining the science that you just said for anyone is think of your kids as downloading. That's the way to think. And then it's really really interesting, right? Because we don't know what they're downloading, right? It's so interesting to think of your own life as you start to do the subconscious work and realize those memories and go, that's that thought. And I bet your parents didn't even have a clue at that moment that that's what you were going to be downloading and, and holding on to so deeply. But I love this. So here's a question for you. Besides the secret, what are the other sources you found really useful and powerful in terms of law of attraction and all of this stuff we're talking about? I enjoy, and I know you're into this as well, I enjoy understanding some of the metaphysics of it. So understanding at a quantum level how things happen. I would say that a lot of the information, I like to look at it more from that point of view of understanding how what we observe is changed just in the observation, understanding how things are more of a mirror than anything else, because then that gives us the power to evoke the state of being that we want, the emotions that we want. So I'd say it's definitely more focused on that as well as understanding the law of attraction. And yeah, I'd say that that's what it is. Obviously, I know you like Abraham Hicks, but you also have someone else in mind too you've been telling me about. Yes, very similar to Abraham Hicks, but definitely a little bit different flavor, a little bit different, a little bit different in its own ways is uh, Bashar. And Bashar is a, uh, has information that is just completely consistent. Bashar has been around for over 30 years. And a lot of the information that is shared through a guy named Daryl Anka, kind of similar to you know Abraham Hicks when it comes to Abraham Hicks is uh, you know through Esther Hicks, but it's Abraham. This is similar. It's Daryl Anka is the name of the guy, and uh, Bashar comes through Daryl Anka. And if you can get over the whole you know kind of understanding how the modality of like how he he gets into the state of being that he's in, the information is gold. And you'll see that I mean a lot of it's Q and A, so a lot of it's people asking questions. But over the last thirty years, he's been doing it, and he's so quick. To, um, to answer, and it's so consistent, and the information's really good. And it, it also is, a lot of it's based in the metaphysics of understanding that. So that really opened up my mind, because I got into Abraham Hicks back in 2011 or 12, and then I heard a video on YouTube of Bashar, and that's when I started to really get into his information. And I would say that out of all the teachers that I've had, you know, Abraham Hicks is amazing. There's a whole bunch of information that I've heard. I'd say that Bashar is definitely up there when it comes to influence because of the consistency of information and just how powerful it's been in my own life. Yes, you were telling me this beforehand, and I had a friend recently tell me about Bashar before you mentioned. So I looked it up, and I'll be honest, guys, you know how much I love Abraham, and you know how enjoyed I am. I was still, I think it's always the first time you see someone channeling, you're a little thrown off, and you're like, okay. And I looked at him, and I was like, I just wasn't resonating, no offense to the guy, I guess. Me too, because the first time, I told you this, but the first time I heard his voice, 
it was on a YouTube video and I had no visual. It was all audio and it was behind some like motivational music that is back in like 2011 or 12. And I heard it and I was like, who is this overly enthusiastic guy? Because he, his voice is very powerful and it just kind of sounded exaggerated. But then I was like, there was something about the information that clicked. And that's when I dove in and just started watching video after video and, you know, read the books and stuff like that. And that's when I got into it. But yeah, I, I had the same response as you did when it first comes to the initial response, but the information is what kind of pulled me through and I kind of got over it with time. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt about Esther and Abraham. So I know that that is possible for me as well. I think I just need to find the non-video of him doing it and just listen. That's what it is. Just find the audio. You'll vibe more with it. Audio only. Yeah, I know. And it's interesting. I was telling you about Joe and my situation and I have no idea when or if trans channeling will be a part of my journey possibly. But I find it kind of exciting because I feel like, I mean, I really want to see someone I can relate to. Obviously, I can relate to myself, but uh, I don't know that it'll be me. But I'm just excited to see more channeling come from sources where I'm resonating with the person doing the channeling as much as the channeling. But, you know, I also appreciate everyone that's been doing this for decades as well. So we'll see what the future holds for channeling and, and so forth in the future. But yeah, guys, for you listening, if you're just getting to Abraham and I'm just getting into Bashar now myself because of your recommendation, I know that there's more there that I need to keep going through. So just try listening, guys. Just give it a shot. Is there any non-channeling sources you found? Did you ever go back to the guys that wrote about the law of attraction 100 years ago? Oh, yeah. I think and Grow Rich definitely changed a lot of my perspective. That was kind of like the door that was open back in the day. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm talking just like maybe 2010, 2011. It was uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. There was uh, Earl Nightingale. There was The Feeling is the Secret by Neville Goddard. That's the next one on my list to read. Oh, there you go. You haven't read it? Not yet, but have you read The Master Key System by Charles H. Channel? I just downloaded it on my iPad maybe two days ago. We'll swap. I'll read Neville. You'll read Charles. Deal. I love that. That is so great. I think you're going to love the Master Key System. It's the most succinct explanation I have ever found of any of this material. I'm excited to check it out. It's a quick read, but it's so deep. I ended up writing half of the book down in my notebooks and so I find for me to really absorb the information, not necessarily with Abraham, but with a book like the Master Key System, in order to remember more, I highlight the whole thing in the Kindle, but also then I end up writing it out and highlighting it and rereading those pages in my books to really seek it into my soul. What do you do to really take in the information at a deeper level? I've always been kind of an auditory person to where I listen to it. So I have a lot of audiobooks that I listen to as well. I would say that I love reading and I love audiobooks. What happens is, is as I read it and as I'm learning the information, as I'm applying it in my life, because I do daily videos on YouTube, I pump out the information pretty quickly. So it's then it's like as I'm getting into a flow state and I'm doing my videos every day, it's like almost it gets wired into me more as I'm expressing the videos and doing and making my videos for the day. So I'd say that for me, it's more of a speaking thing. And as I'm in the flow state and doing it, it sinks in at a, at a much deeper level. Uh, other than that, I mean, I do take notes. I write stuff down, especially since I am constantly doing videos. I write down ideas and things I want to do videos on. And as I write it down, it definitely sinks in more. I screenshot a lot of the stuff that's on my iPad. If I'm uh, finding, you know, really good things that are just making me like see things from a new point of view or kind of giving me an epiphany, I screenshot things and then I kind of go back to them. So I say screenshots, 
speaking when I get into a flow state and I'm making videos, it sinks in deeper as well. And then also when I'm just applying it in my own life, it also starts to sink in more. And that's a great segue to my next question for you, which is with someone like us that have gone into this as deeply as we have, we had to personally transform as we applied it in our lives. So I'm curious on what you would call the stages that you went through as you started applying this in your life. So what were the, if you had to kind of look at how you applied it and how your perspective shifted, what happened? So I'd say firstly, it's for me, it was on curiosity because I learned the seed was planted when I watched The Secret and I was, you know, in my teenagers. And then I worked a sales commission job for years and I worked at Nordstrom's for a while in women's shoes, which is all commission based. You know, you don't get paid unless it's all commission. There's no hourly. There was something I just decided I was going to start seeing it in my daily life. And it was a good place to do that because you only get paid based on what you sell. So if I had a certain goal, I remember that when I first got into it. I decided that I wrote down on the mirror that I wanted to sell a certain amount that day and we got paid 10% commission. So I wrote on the mirror, I want to sell $6,688. It was like, it was a random number like that. And what I did is I went in that day and we weren't necessarily busy, but I was busy and it was like, just things were flow. Everything was happening very quick. And I remember at the end of the day, I went and checked as to how much I made that day. And it was within dollars of that $6,688 thing I wrote in my mirror. So from that point going forward, I just became very aware of the power of intention. And it was kind of curiosity at first. And then I went through a stage after that is it kind of proved itself to me. I, I started to build resistance because I would beat myself up anytime I had a negative thought. Yes, I know that stage very well. <laughs> you went through the same thing. Do you ever hear Abraham talk about it? They want to suck it up. They're like... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly what comes to mind when I, even as I was saying it is it, it's like I think it and I'm like uh oh I'm thinking that negative thought and I would start to judge myself and then that would build and the more you focus on it the more it grows so then I would become aware of how to think the next trigger point for me and what I'd recommend to most people is a huge game changer is when you learn to observe your thoughts rather than react so observing means that every thought is fundamentally neutral in the same way that you might see a rainy day outside a rainy day can mean different things to different people depending upon their beliefs and the way they focus on it. So for some people like me, I'm from Vegas. So when I see a rainy day, I'm, I'm excited about it because it doesn't happen very often. But someone from Seattle or Oregon might see a rainy day and get a different emotion from it because of the way that they respond to a rainy day. So in the same way, every thought is neutral. Even what we think is negative can also have added negativity to it if we really associate and assume it's negative. So I learned how to observe my thoughts, which then got it to a point to where if I did think a negative thought, I would observe it and I would allow it to be there. And in the allowing of letting it be there, it would go away. It was like a paradox. It's like the more I was like just okay with it being there, it would go away. And then I could consciously choose the momentum of my thoughts and I could start to go in a different direction. So it's about just understanding the neutrality of what things mean in life and how we can tag the meaning as to what we prefer it to mean. And then we get that effect out of it. So observing the thoughts was the next trigger point for me. Then I went into, um, it, it was a very much about the emotions and the energy of it. I was focused on that for years and I got to a place to where I felt good a majority of the time. I was able to really tailor my environment to how I prefer to be, kind of let go of things that didn't really serve me. And from that point, then I went into a stage, I'd say probably a year ago of taking, uh, inspired action or taking massive action. And that's kind of where I'm at right now because I'm growing a business and I'm uh, in the moment of really growing. So I'd say that that's my main focus now. I love taking action. To me, action is something I love to do. So it's very natural for me. I don't feel like I have to try. I'm not taking 
action in the sense that like I'm just trying a whole bunch of different things and like grinding, you know, nose to the grindstone. I mean, I'm taking action and I'm doing what the leveraged action, the things that work. I'm just really zeroing in on what's working and I'm just changing that aspect of it and doing that over and over again. So now I'm in a more of an action point and who knows where it'll go from here. But right now I'm just in the, the process of building a business and all that. So I, I'd say that's my main focus now and that's where I'm at today. And I, and I notice also that now I don't believe it as anything outside of myself, anything that I want to attract, isn't going to make me feel any more validated than I do right now. And I got to focus inwards before I go outwards. So I, in order for me to create the abundance in my life, I have to first feel abundant. I have to feel validated. I have to really work on the inner work. And then I'll get the reflection that I want in my life. And the things will happen much more smooth from that understanding. So I guess now I really take the process within and knowing that I can feel whole and complete now. And as I do that, I resonate with experiences that bring me closer and closer to what I want to attract in my life. And it's a much different process. But I'd say that's where I'm at today. And let me just highlight for people what you said. I think it's really important. So you focus first on allowing the negative as a stage. Yes. And letting it be there, not labeling it and then thinking that we're wrong for having those thoughts or that they shouldn't be there. The mind's just doing its job. But yes, allow them to be there. That's stage one. Stage two that you said was that you let your emotions be the thing you focused on. So the next stage was not action. It was emotions where most people are still actioning their way to emotion. You got into emotions. And as you stabilize there, you found alignment and joy in the actions you then took as well as an extension of the emotion. So people, as they listen, go, oh my gosh, she's actioning. So just says don't action. I always say alignment before action. That's what you did. You got into alignment first. Now you are having joy. And I want to contrast that with me. I take very, well, what I consider compared to my past, very little action. I spend 80% of my time just on the alignment and I don't find that massive joy out of massive action. And I don't need to, as a result, take massive action to get massive results because it's not attached to me in that way. But for you, since you're loving it, you're getting into alignment by doing it where I am not, so I am not, but we both have amazing results. Isn't that interesting? Neither of us have to do the same path in action to get the same results because we're both focused on the emotion first. Yep. It's the alignment and then the action. Even on my own YouTube channel, I encourage people to do what works for them because I do have a side of me now that's more recently more about taking action than I was a year or two ago. But that's because I love the action I'm taking because, you know, for me, I mean, I'm taking action with creating a video a day, which is kind of unheard of. There's not a lot of people in the niche that I'm in on YouTube making a video a day, but I love making a video a day, so I do it. So there's definitely that alignment there prior to the action that I'm taking, and then it just so happens that action is a part of the process that I currently enjoy. And who knows, maybe in a year or two, it'll shift to something a little bit different, but right now I'm just at that stage where that's what brings me joy and fulfillment. Exactly, and for me, it we both have the same amount of time, you and I, Aaron, we have 24 hours in a day. So I'm obviously taking actions. I'm just not considering them work-related, even though the stuff that gets you into alignment is honestly studying quantum mechanics and studying law of attraction. So I would do that if I was retired, if I didn't have a job, or if I was doing something else. And if it was like knitting blankets, or if it was about watercoloring, I would be doing all of that stuff just as much as I'm doing all the studying. It's just the studying stuff at this moment happens to bring me into alignment. But then it's probably why I've gotten so quickly so accelerated to this understanding of all of this work and then get to translate that into the work I share. 
But also, I just love that you are someone, and I actually spoke to my college students where I went to school here yesterday, and I asked them to raise their hands if they liked hustling. And a few people did, and most of them didn't. And I said, well, if you guys do love it, I'm not trying to stop you. Like To stop Gary Vaynerchuk from working would be to take him out of alignment. So massive action. I just think people misunderstand it as... They think it's the actions that's getting them the result rather than recognizing it's their alignment, whether they're in alignment with that action or not, that's really what's doing it. So just to highlight what you said, I love where you're at right now. So one of the things you also talked about on your channel recently, I loved, and I've talked about the David Hawkins power versus force emotional scale here on the show too, but I'd love to hear how you talked about forgiveness and and how... If, for example, if someone steals from us, we could say, oh, that's a negative point of attraction for us. But how do you let go of that stuff? And how do you use the emotional scale to do it? So it has to do with awareness for me. So if you were to look at the emotional scale of uh, power versus force, you'd see that on the bottom emotions, you'd see shame, guilt, and then you move up a little bit, you have anger, and then eventually you get to neutrality, willingness, and then a little bit higher up is like more of love and then peace and then enlightenment at the very top. And that that's the scale. And Abraham Hicks also uses that same idea of scale to move through those different emotions and thoughts in a similar way. But the way that I look at it is once you get to a point of neutrality, which is uh, about a quarter of the way up the scale, neutrality gives you the ability to observe what happens rather than react and think that it's a part of our own story. So for example, if somebody steals from us, and even if it's a close friend, you know, we can have the discernment from that point going forward. It doesn't mean that we're completely blind to it, but it's having the awareness that every person will always make a decision based on their own rationalization. Now, what that means is that they've rationalized it in their own mind. Maybe they have a belief in scarcity, or maybe they have to get their rent money or their kids, or there could be a multitude of different reasons, or maybe they just believe that that's how they have to be because they knew that growing up or they learned that growing up. Whatever it is, when you have the awareness that everybody will always make a decision based on their own rationality, it makes it a lot easier to forgive someone else because you can then seek to understand rather than to be understood. And that's a game changer because then you learn how to neutralize it. So when I look to my ex-stepmom, for example, who was very angry, who had a certain attitude, very negative, when I look at that, I can look at her and honestly say that she probably learned that growing up. I looked at her dad who probably treated her very similarly. She was on a rationalized point of view of how she thought that she had to be. And knowing that was so much easier for me to forgive her because then I was able to see that she was just reenacting what she thought she had to do and who she thinks that she is. And that makes it so much easier to forgive because then you notice that everyone is human. Everyone's been through a certain past and it really allows you to let go of the labels and it allows you to let go of the story that we tell ourselves is this should happen. This shouldn't have happened. We can neutralize it. And in the neutralization is where then we let go of all those lower emotions. We let go of shame, of guilt, of uh, anger. We let go of all of those when we learn how to observe it rather than react, which kind of goes to a lot of the stuff I've already been saying, is observe rather than react. Observe what they did. Be discerning. It doesn't mean you have to go hang out with them and continue to be blind to the way they are. You can definitely decide to let them go, but you do it from a point of not necessarily resentment because if we hold on to those negative emotions, we may continue to perpetuate them in our lives. So it's about letting go from a point of awareness and having the awareness 
that they are making their decisions based upon their own rationalized thinking. And when you have that point of view, it's so much easier to forgive. I loved it. And when you mentioned the stealing as an example, it brought to mind a moment years ago when I was in Chicago and I had my wallet stolen out of my bag as I came home on the bus from Christmas. And so there's kind of a distraction and there's a few people involved and my wallet was taken. And I was at the time self-employed early in my career, not making a lot of money. So, so it was like interesting to be at that place of having so little and and having it taken away. Not that I lost a bunch of cash. It was more just the issue of getting the new credit cards and all that sort of thing. And I remember thinking to a very less conscious degree of what you shared that this was their way of making money. And I thought they can take my wallet, but they can never take away my ability to make money. And that's the biggest thing. It's kind of the golden eggs and the goose. It's like I'm laying the eggs so they can take my eggs, but they're never going to be able to take away my ability to keep creating wealth and abundance, right? And they think they need to take from others, like you said, the scarcity mentality. So I just loved when you said it because it just brought to mind, I didn't have that way of looking at it from that moment, but I had some level of realizing what they did. You know, I could sell my house, but I didn't sell my ability to make a beautiful home in the future, or I can end a relationship, but I didn't lose the ability to love in the future. And I just thought what you said was so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Can I actually ask you your thoughts on a theory I have that I feel like is kind of cutting edge in terms of law of attraction? Let me hear it. Okay. So now as this episode's airing, I'm actually going to be on an Abraham Hicks cruise. So I'm so excited. I want to see if it flows to get in the hot seat and ask Abraham this question because out of the thousands of hours, I haven't found this question asked. So let's see what you think first. All right. Here it is. So basically, we get the thing when we're the vibrational match to it. So we have to feel the way we think we'll feel when we have the thing, right? That's law of attraction 101. So if we tell ourselves that our thing that we want the most next, what's your ego or what are you most fixated on manifesting next? It would be traveling and doing lectures and traveling around the world. Okay, so if that's your thing, and I don't know how much you have resistance towards that or not, so we'll just use it as an example. So if you believe you would, in that case, be an emotional 10 or 12 on the emotional scale, then the odds are we're probably at the emotional 10 or 12 at peak moments of our lives and not consistently. So if we keep telling ourselves that the thing that we want so dearly next is going to make us that level of happy, it's going to be very hard to manifest because that state of being is so high and therefore kind of a rare state to be in. So I thought, what if we just kind of trick the system? And really the truth is, even if you want to be a billionaire, I called my friend FaZe and I asked him this whole concept. I was like, what if we just lower our expectations of the emotional payoff and we just make it like a seven? Because we can get to seven pretty well and that's pretty good. And then he said, yeah, he goes, even Richard Branson's a billionaire. So if you want to be a billionaire, eventually it's just going to be normal to you as a billionaire. So you're not going to be at a 10 or a 12. So so what are your thoughts about us all lowering our emotional expectation a little bit to a more reasonable or more realistic emotional state and therefore manifesting at that state? I think that for me, if we can get ourselves into the best flow state that we can be in and just feel the emotions that we want more of the time, I think that will sync us up to it more. But I see what you're saying because like me, for example, I looked forward to the longest time for quitting the old job that I had, the sales job that I had to do YouTube full time. And I looked forward to it and I had this high expectation that when I quit, 
It's going to be this amazing feeling. You know, I have my time back. I have the freedom back. And now I've been doing that and I have that lifestyle now, but it's not like I am like on a 10 or a 12 all the time because now I'm still so focused on what I'm doing. So I definitely see what you mean because we think that maybe, you know, that thing that we want is going to make us feel a 10 or a 12, but by the time we get it, it's not necessarily, that becomes the norm. And that's why I think it's, I guess, just doing the best that we can right now and always putting ourselves into a flow state and really following our excitement. And then that will lead to the next best thing that will get us closer to what we want to experience. But I, I totally see what you're saying. So lessen the emotional payoff that we think we're going to get and to actually then create it in our life. And I guess that that also goes into because like when Abraham Hicks says that, you know, it's just as easy to manifest a certain amount over a smaller amount. It's just that we believe it's harder and we have those resistance around it. But it's actually the same. And that's why some people that are already very wealthy, it might be very easy for them to create, you know, a million dollars very quickly, whereas we might be more excited to manifest a hundred thousand dollars. And that would be more ecstatic for us than it would be for them to get that million dollars. But you see, so I, I see what you mean and how it's kind of relative. Yeah, there's two ways to look at it. One, you could say you're stunting your emotional feelings, which means you're not getting as happy as maybe you could. But at the same time, she always says it's the next logical step. And the next logical step is probably pretty similar to whatever your positive flow state is you're calling it. You know, that seven, eight maybe is. Also, here's the other thing. If we release this 10, 12 state of mind about this thing, we also release the resistance we have around the thing. Because when you think it's the next thing that's going to like basically be as good as air, then you have so much staked upon it. And then therefore, there's so much fear of not getting it and that dissatisfaction of not having it now. But if you lower it down to just slightly, you know, a rung or two above where you are right now, you're not nearly as thirsty for it because you already are predominantly there already. Exactly. I don't know. This is what I want to hear because no one has ever asked that question that I've heard. Have you? No, I've never heard the answer to that question. I can totally see what you mean because you've listened to so many hours, thousands of hours of Abraham. So some people get up there and they'll ask the same question that's been asked like 80 times. So it's nice that you're going to be able to ask a question that's fresh, and as she says, the, the leading edge or the cutting edge. So I think that's great. Yeah, I think it's something for us all to consider is to lower our emotional expectations because even whenever it is in our lives, I loved your example of your job and how you thought it was going to be so great and then it happened and then you're like, yeah, it's great, but I also have all these other things to do. It kind of comes down to you're slowly increasing your emotional steady point. And the, the other thing I will say about that, sorry to interrupt you, but the other idea just kind of came to me. We can give ourselves permission right now to feel the way that we want to feel to attract whatever we want. The, the difference is, is that sometimes we give ourselves a symbol. We say, hey, when I attract this or when I do X, Y, Z, then I can feel this. But that's nothing more than an idea that represents something to us that we've given meaning to. So what if we were to automatically then look at ourselves and then decide that I'm going to feel worthy, I'm going to feel excited and appreciated right now in the present moment just because my focus is on the things that I'm grateful for. My focus has changed from out there to in here. So I guess that might be another way also to look within and then to amplify and give ourselves permission to feel like we're at maybe an 8 or a 10 rather than needing the external situation to make us feel how we think it will make us feel when we get there then to then find that it might not be up to the expectation of what we thought. 
Amen. Have you actually done this? I know you're not as into Abraham as I am because you're more Bashar, which again, that could be a really fascinating conversation to have in the future more about his work as I start diving in and you can help me catch up to what he's talking about. But when it comes to Abraham, one of the things they said in one of their videos, and I took them seriously and actually tried it and saw how powerful it was, was five pages of appreciation. So have you ever tried a massive amount of appreciation in like one thing, one time? No, but I, I'll definitely do that though. The, what I've done is I've done, I used to do, and I still do today is what I do is before I go to bed or when I wake up in the morning, a lot of times I'll write like five things I'm grateful for. I'll have like a small focus of appreciation, but I've never actually done five pages. I guess that would develop real strong momentum, right? Oh yeah. So here's what I think of it now as we have been calorically starved of appreciation. So when we say do three, five, 10 things you're appreciating, you're gonna spend, I think it's about the time in that emotion of appreciation to do three, five, 10 things is like maybe one to two minutes long to spend that time of appreciation. To do five pages of appreciation keeps you there for 20, 25 minutes of appreciation. The amount of momentum, and even Abraham will say after- 67 seconds. Yeah, 67. And here's the other thing about that if you try it. I say that is the workout. So you need to warm up before you do it. Just doing it from a cold sprint when you wake up without any momentum positively is okay. I say it's like pole vaulting standing still versus running and getting a running leap and then pole vaulting. So if you try doing what you do to get into alignment first, feeling good, already having momentum, then doing five pages, I promise you it is like intergalactic. It is incredible. Thank you for the suggestion. I'm going to try that for sure. Yeah. And then I'll watch you talk about it on your show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll make a video on it. Oh, I love it. Okay. So here's a question for you. What, if any, internal thoughts or resistance are you currently facing in your life right now? Uh, I would say the main thing that I'm working with right now is charging for my time and my services because for the first like five months of having my YouTube growing, so back in February, it was at a certain subscriber base, it was at maybe two or 4,000. And then over the last six months, things have exploded. And now I'm you know closer to 100,000. And during that growing phase, I didn't put ads on my videos. I didn't charge for a lot of the things I was doing, even though I was paying about $5 a day for the transcripts. I put all the transcripts in my videos. It was a big cost to me because not only am I, you know, I was working full time for a good majority of that, working 40 hours a week, plus creating a video every single day. I was probably spending about 15, 16 hours a day doing something. I was working really hard to turn it into my full time thing, which I eventually did. But I would say that I had to get used to charge. Like I put ads on my videos. I never wanted to do it. I eventually did it because I was like, hey, I want to go full time. And then also I'm creating products. I'm creating things that are, are going to help people a lot like programs and courses. And I've had to reframe it in my own mind to knowing that I can feel comfortable with doing this. And then also it's about adding value. As long as what I do adds value, that's what's most important. So I've had to reframe that in my mind and then allow myself to let go of the resistance because sometimes in the spiritual community, there's sometimes resistance around the idea of making money or you know, what to do with money in general. So I've had to really switch around those ideologies or the way I think about it. I love that. And if you want to know something that I have found that is super incredibly aligning for that, 
just FYI, my listeners have heard me say this because I've just done my online class, Flow with Intention. I always ask people to ask their intuition if it feels right for them. I never sell them anything. I just ask them if it feels like a yes in their intuition, then they're listening to themselves and they're in the right place. So I'm never telling them anywhere to be because if they're going to do any of my work, they're going to have to listen to their intuition because that's the basis of my work in the first place. So that has been so powerful. I like that. Definitely. For sure, I will. And then last but not least, what would you tell someone just starting out on this journey? To just really have the awareness of where you are. The moment that you start to come into this information, and if if you're listening to like your show or even my channel, you're already open to it. And that's one of the first steps. So I'd say that from this point going forward, the very good thing about that is that now you are aware and you're not under necessarily the hypnotic spell that a lot of people are under when it comes to the conditioning of our mind or the conditioning of our beliefs. So now that you have this awareness and you have this knowing that your thoughts, there's a correlation between your thoughts and what you're experiencing in your life, don't be hard on yourself and understand that as you go, you you go through like the stages, just like I was kind of talking about the stages I went through. Just don't be hard on yourself and be very quick be very reluctant to label yourself as I'm going through this type of experience. I'm experiencing blocks. I'm experiencing this. Observe it. Be aware of it. But it doesn't have to become a part of your identity or a pattern that really has power over you. So it'd be just more so being aware of the awareness of where you are. Be grateful for where you are because if you're even listening to this, then it means you're already at some level opening to it. And that from here, it just gets better and better as you get the more awareness and as you go along the journey. Oh, that's beautiful. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me on. I've had a lot of fun and I look forward to if we ever have a conversation again. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And Aaron, thank you for coming on the show. If you want to send Aaron a message, you can do so over on Instagram at Aaron underscore Doty 44. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C as in cruising with Abraham Lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash Aaron Doty. And of course, if you want to watch Aaron's videos on YouTube, you can find him at Aaron Doty on YouTube as well. Now, before I share where I'm headed to next, I also want to share about today's sponsor, Aptive.com. If you like working out or maybe you're in a workout rut and you're looking for some inspiration, some motivation, some guidance or coaching, training, or even just a better playlist, I really suggest you go over and try the Aptive app on your phone. Aptive is this on-demand audio fitness app that has awesome trainers and playlists for all different types of workouts, fitness levels, and lengths of time. So you can really customize exactly what you're looking for, and you turn it on, and you're ready to go. You've got a coach in your ear helping you do the workouts, and maybe a different way than you normally would, so it helps and challenges you, and just makes things more fun. So if you want to try this for free for 30 days, head over to Aptive.com to get the free 30 days, and then download the phone app. So what you'll do is go to aaptiv.com enter the code the lively show that's going to give you the 30 days which is much longer than their regular free trial so you get basically a month to try this out then download the phone app and you're ready to get started now for where i'm headed to next we're going to provence tomorrow and then we'll be sailing or boating over to italy and malta in the days to come and of course stay tuned on instagram for any updates on the abraham i'm sharing some quotes over there Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today.